0.8%. And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning, this is Back Chat for Friday, April the 28th, my mother's birthday. Uh, so happy birthday to Karen Work. She's a good Karen. She's the right kind. Welcome to the show, uh, which is about things other than my mother's birthday. If she's Karen Work, I must be Andrew Work. And I'm Janice Wong. And today we're talking about housing. On Wednesday, the subsidized housing committee announced that public housing tenants who own a property would be banned from purchasing subsidized flats. The move comes after the murder of model Abby Choi Tinfeng whose father-in-law was found to own both a luxury and subsidized flat. So what do these changes mean for existing housing tenants? What will the legal consequences be for not declaring private ownership? How about the waiting time? Can we expect it to be reduced as a result? And at 9.45, we'll be uh, looking into the Happy Hong Kong campaign, the Hong Kong $30 cinema tickets giveaway, which kicked off yesterday, and uh, the broader issue of uh, the government uh, juicing up culture and tourism. So we want to know your thoughts. You can leave us a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk, and a lot of you do. Uh, or give us a call on 233-88266. Uh, we're kicking off the show today with our first guest. We'd like to welcome Clarissa Wong, the chair of the Subsidized Housing Committee of the Housing Authority. Good morning, Clarissa. Good morning, Andrew, and good morning, Janice. Morning. Great to have you on the show. We're also uh, joined by Dr. Rita Lee, the Director of Sustainable Real Estate Research Center and Associate Professor at the Department of Economics and Finance at Hong Kong Shoyan University. Good morning, Dr. Lee. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Let's just start with you, Ms. Ms. Wong. Um, before we talk about the actual changes, uh, can you first tell us uh, how some people who are obviously well off was uh, able to apply for subsidized flats in the past? Well, <clears throat> because in the past, um, if a person was a green form applicant, meaning that he, is, uh, he was already a public housing unit, uh, tenants, he can apply for um, HOS flats without any requirements to disclose his income assets or whether he was the owner of a residential property in Hong Kong or not. Right. And so, you know, some people may have used this, uh, you know, um, system to really um, you know, get himself a, a flat in the XOS scheme. All right. uh, do you know if there are many people who have been abusing the system like that? Well, we, you know, because there was no requirement for disclosure, I'm afraid the HA may not have any uh, information in this area. But uh, I think um, there are not many people who are abusing this system. Um, and it is because there is a requirement that uh, all a, uh, PRH housing tenants, if they own a flat, uh, a residential flat in Hong Kong or a residential property in Hong Kong, they have to leave their PRH unit right away. Mm. So, was it a, so when we talk about this being a, as an abuse of the system, is it a moral abuse of the system or a legal abuse of the system? Because, I mean, I guess technically people were allowed to do it and... You know, that's what you're trying to address with this new change to the law, yes? Well, if there um, is any abuse, and I would say it is both a moral abuse and also a legal abuse. Okay, so it is, it is, it is a legal abuse. And, uh, I mean, if, if this is going to be in, if they're going to be doing this and it's, if 
there's a lot of people that have uh, been abused in the system. Uh, is there going to be uh, some kind of a th- are they going to basically try to clean it up? Are they going to go f- hunt all these people down and kick them out? Or how are they going to rectify the situation with people who might have already been, uh, you know, doing this for years and years? Well, I think uh, because the new rule, the new requirements that uh, they, if they own any residential property in Hong Kong, they can no longer be eligible to apply for an HOS flat, right? Because this new rule um, has only just been passed and would be effective. From the first day, um, HOS 2023 is open for applications. So I think you know, it is not uh, something that the um, HIA is going to go around hunting down these people. But at the same time, if there have been abuses like uh, you know, they are already owners of residential properties and they, they do, not, do not belong to any exempt groups, and yet they are still living in PRH uh, units. So if they... You know what they um, their situation is found out by the HA. Then of course the HA would initiate termination of their tenancies. Boy, and how easy is that? I mean, is it when people get in there, they uh, they kind of dig their dig in with their fingernails and don't let go, huh? Well, you know, um, right now um, we have we have um, you know systems. To you know, we have teams to detect uh, you know, abuse of public housing uh, by people, and we also encourage uh, people to report to us abuses. So yeah, we we, we do from time to time, um, you know, discover uh, people abusing the system, and then you know have their tendency and, and, and proceed to terminate their tendencies. Yes. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's go to uh, Dr. Lee, who is uh, the director of uh, Sustainable Real Estate Research Center and associate professor of the Department of Economics and Finance at uh, Xi'an University. Dr. Lee. Hey, morning. Morning. So, so do you think um, with the changes, uh, the government has uh, um, plugged the loophole that uh, Ms. Wong was talking about? Well, um, actually, the uh, original intention that it must be like uh, sort of like uh, uh, remove the loophole, and then you can fasten the pace of the releasing the public housing once they purchase the uh, uh, HOS flats. Actually, in the, in, in the original uh, scenario, and then some of the uh, housing owners may leave the housing units when they receive the news about that. Uh, yet, uh, when this uh, policy is implemented, some tenants may not uh, uh, will not buy the HOS flats, and then will not release the public housing if they consider their housing public housing as a feng shui flat. And then, moreover, they may also seek help from their relatives to become the house owner on paper. That is, they do not have the legal title in the housing under the land registry, but they possess the equitable title who are in charge of financing the property. And in fact, and this method has been used by many public tenants now and before. And that's, uh, there is a positive impact in the reducing the waiting time, but the impact is rather limited. Mm. And I mean, so a couple of things there. First of all, maybe can you just define what a, a feng shui flat is? Uh, well, feng shui flat is those that who live there in housing for which that they become rich uh, afterwards. And then some of the public tenants, actually, they are uh, uh, originally when they live there, they are very poor. But then uh, after they live several years and then they become rich because of like they become a, uh, for example, they, they run their business well. And therefore, they actually they can move to a very good flats. They can move to the uh, luxury housing, but they still insist to stay in the public housing. 
because because they think the flat has good feng shui that got them rich in the first yes. place. Yes, exactly. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. With good luck. So you've got people in the feng shui flats, uh, and and uh, but like you said, you've also got people that are you know putting their properties in other people's names, close family members. Yeah. Yeah, how right. how I mean how do you how do you tackle a problem like that? I mean, are there rules about how many properties your spouse or your children or your you know, how, how far out does it extend? Your second cousins? I mean, or is that is that something that cannot be addressed? Or you just have to go and see and like, hey, wait a second. This guy doesn't actually live in this flat. He's renting it out. He's renting out his, his publicly uh, subsidized flat. I mean, how, how do you catch people that are that are doing that pretty obvious dodge? Well, it is very difficult to catch these people, actually. The main reason is that, well, uh, we uh, it is very difficult to... Uh, uh, I mean, uh, it is rather easy to check all these legal titles under the land registry. But then if we talk about like equitable title where they can actually find their like friends, relatives, and then the relatives can be like, we, we have got many relatives and, and then uh, uh, especially in the older generation, and then they have got a lot of like siblings and then, uh, and, and, and then uh, like uh, even for like sons and daughters, they have a lot. So how can you check all these uh, kind of cases? It's very difficult unless they have got family conflicts. Because a lot of circumstances why these are actually these cases are exposed because they have got family conflicts, and then uh, 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 and then all are exposed uh, maybe even in the news. Uh, but it is very difficult to catch the, all these people. And then uh, there is also an, another loophole for which is just like uh, uh, overseas housing. So they may be very rich, and they only buy the uh, housing overseas, like in Thailand or like uh, or even in mainland. And then these people, they are also very rich, but then uh, you cannot find any uh, legal title documents uh, uh, in Hong Kong at all. Clarissa Wong, what do you? I mean, what do you? What do you make of all these uh, these types of situations? How do how do they try to control that? Well, for people who um, try to keep their public housing because they think their public housing flat is a feng shui flat. Um, I think these people are irresponsible because public housing, after all, is a very valuable public resources. And there are many, many people outside who are in really pressing need of public housing. So I, well, housing authority would go after these people. you know, if once they are discovered. And also at the same time, um, I wish to make it clear that um, it's not just um, PRH tenants who are discovered to have residential housing or, or residential properties outside um, that they are kicked out of public housing. If we discover that the, any public housing flat is not being used, we will also take action to terminate the tenancy. This is the first thing. Um, I heard just now uh, Dr. Lee describing how um, you know, um, people may abuse the system by hiding their residential properties under the names of friends and relatives, and uh, perhaps they also buy housing overseas instead of in Hong Kong. Now, first of all, if they buy properties under the name of friends and relatives, of course, on the face of the arrangements, um, they are fine. But if they are, you know, um, there there is evidence that they are really the beneficial owners of the um, housing involved, then again, they are in breach of the rules and they will be subject to um, 
uh, uh, action like termination of tenancies. Now, and who, if, who has the power to investigate that? I mean, can, can the housing, can the housing uh, department subpoena bank records to find out if you've been making payments to your brother who's got the property under his name? I mean, or, or a large amount of money moved back and forth, you know, at some point. I mean, like, who, who can actually investigate and what legal powers do they have? Well, we have a policy known as the well-obtained policy. And under this policy, after a PRH tenant has been uh, in occupation of his unit for 10 years. Now, starting from 10 years, he has to report and submit, you know, um, his assets and uh, income and property details every two years. And in the, in, in, in the disclosure form, he declares that, you know, what he has declared is true, complete, not misleading. And he also authorizes the housing authority to make investigations so and approach various, you know, government departments or even financial, um, you know, and, and entities like banks and insurance companies to find out and to verify what he has disclosed, whether what he has disclosed is correct or not. Right. So in other words, they've got a lot of time to prepare for these investigations, make sure they've got all their accounts lined up, anything that's hidden, anything that needs to be hidden can be hidden. I mean, there's, it, it doesn't sound like there's any covert surveillance or, or you know, they're, they're looking into things when people might not expect it and that's how they might get caught. Yes. Okay. Right. And Ms. Wong, you, you just mentioned that uh, people who um, breach the rules, they will get their uh, contracts uh, terminated, they'll get uh, kicked out of the flat. Um, will, will they have to face any uh, legal consequences? Well, it de- depends. Now, if um, they are simply not living in their flats and they get kicked out, the consequences, they get their tenancies terminated. But if, let's say, if they declare in their biannual disclosure form that they um, say their income is earned so much and they, their, their, their assets um, within the assets limit, then uh, they, you know, and then they are found out that uh, what they have disclosed is not true. They have committed a crime in that sort of circumstances because they made a declaration, um, a statutory declaration about what they said uh, is true. Mm. And, uh, you know, um, and, and they would be liable to be prosecuted. Oh, so they're OK. So they, they could be prosecuted. And what are the what are the typical I mean, if they get if they get caught and um, deemed guilty, well, what are we looking at here? A fine yeah. years in jail uh-huh. well, it can be a fine, can be a jail, um, depending on the severity of the crime. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, do we have any, uh, Dr. Lee, do we have any? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. May may I supplement something? Dr. Lee also mentioned about people um, buying properties overseas, right? Now, buying people, uh, uh, properties overseas uh, would still be part of people's assets. And Mm. so if they make the disclosure about their, their assets, right, they have to include the value of their overseas properties. Okay, and if they get busted for that, that, that also counts. Um, Dr. Lee, do we have any idea on the numbers on how many people are ejected from people, how many people are deemed to have become too wealthy and are, eject, are, are kind of taken out of the public housing system or how many people get caught, tried, convicted? How, you mean how many people are caught because of this reason? Yeah. 
I have no data about this. So probably the public housing side that they have got more uh, clear picture about how many people are caught. But I think it is actually a. I mean, uh, I, I mean, everybody know that there are some kind of like this kind of the circumstances that it occur, and that's why that if you go to the car parks in the public housing, for example, some of them they are really expensive cars, and then uh, uh, and then uh, 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 this is uh, I think this is a, a kind of like hole in the system because uh, actually when we read the news sometimes that it may said that well. Uh, actually, the, the the land registry has got all the record about the legal title. So, uh, the um, at this case, uh, uh, in that case, that it is uh, it is not the only single case. But I will also say that it is uh, it is also not very common uh, because originally that they have got the legal uh, they have got the uh, limits uh, in the income, and then uh, supposedly that people have to report about their. Uh, the, the, the whatsoever uh, income sources and so as like the uh, flags in uh, overseas or, or, or local, but uh, but there are also a lot of the people they do not report, and then a, mo- a lot more they try to use like for example their uh, son's name, their daughter's name to buy the housing. Sure. Sure. I mean, I've got a yeah, I've got a couple of comments on our Facebook page that go to that. Marcus says, uh, Marcus, who also brings us what I think is going to be our word of the day. Uh, listen for it. Marcus says, it means the system is corrupt to the core. Look at the subsidized housing parking lots. Who should be able to receive subsidized housing when they have a pearlescent Mercedes-Benz outside? Yeah. Why not means test like any other adult society? And then uh, one of our our top fans, according to Facebook, John, says, uh, government has strict means for testing except social payments, but not for housing. Uh, he said, "Look at the look at the million uh, look at the car parks with million dollar vehicles." But government officials on past back chat episodes have given lots of excuses not to look, even when told about so called feng shui flats in Wafu public housing. They ignore it. Uh, is is that is that fair to say that the government has ignored the problem, or is it is it like something that there's always going to be a certain amount of corruption and you can't stamp it out completely? So you just have to bring it to a manageable level. Not really. Actually, they can. They can actually. The uh, the housing authority and also housing society can take some one more step. Actually, it's, it's, it's very very easy. One more step. That is, they try to check uh, annually. For example, in the land registry, compare the uh, those names in the land registry about the legal title and those with the, uh, uh, those who are the uh, public housing tenants on lease in the housing uh, authority or housing society's public housing. Then we then we will be able to uh, to 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 pick a lot of these cases already, and then uh, uh, and then of course there's a Mercedes Benz and also this kind of mm. thing is very obvious, right? So we can actually take it from another perspective that these people that they may be able to be to be to take out very easily. So there's a second step for which we can do. Miss right. Well, what do you think of uh, those suggestions, like checking the land registry every every year and, and vehicle registration, yeah. I suppose. I think there is a limitation on, um, you know, such checking because uh, I think for the land registry, they have their own policy of personal data collection. And also, I think this applies to the transport department as well. So it depends on um, what they have, what they have declared in their statement, uh, personal data collection statement. Um, I think it is more likely that for the land registry personal data collection statement, we will say something like they are collecting personal data for the purposes of uh, maintaining the land rec- uh, maintaining the land registers, right? 
So um, under this sort of circumstances, and uh, bearing in mind that we have personal data protection law in Hong Kong, um, we, uh, I think, you know, unless we are authorized by the tenants, we can't just proceed to get the land registry to, you know, send to us all the, um, you know, personal data of uh, owners in Hong Kong and compare those information, uh, the information with our own information. But I agree that, you know, if we have a system of like um, disclosure under, uh, let's say, a statutory declaration or an authorization from the tenants, then we can approach these authorities for information. Mm. I've got another <clears throat> fairly lengthy comment from our Facebook page from Henry. Uh, I'm going to summarize a little bit. Uh, he says that HOS owners, public housing, tenants, etc., have valuable assets uh, like flats, luxury cars. He says this is nothing new and it's been going on for decades. Every now and again, some event occurs that kicks the authorities to stop the loopholes. Now we have this case. I suppose he's referring to the Abby Choi case. Clearly, the authorities uh, have been lousy or just making slight cosmetic changes to calm public anger. Uh, he goes on kind of more in that vein, but I mean, this, this is important. How important is the perception that public housing is, you know, is being administered properly, especially given that we know there are long waiting times uh, for people in need? How, how important is that perception of the system being run in an efficient and just manner to public confidence? Well, of course, this is very important because uh, we do have a responsibility to make sure that public resources uh, are used in a in a purposeful and uh, you know in in the right and proper manner, right? And mm. um, if there are abuses, we'll certainly proceed against these people. But uh, you know, when people sometimes when they mention that are uh, there are luxury cars in the car parking um, area of public housing estates, now um, we have to to bear in mind that sometimes luxury cars do not be, uh, really belong to these people because many of them may work as chauffeurs to, you know, um, private bosses, right? Mm. And then they are uh, taking the cars home to park uh, their parking spaces after work so that they can drive the cars back to the, their bosses in the morning. Now, this is one possibility. And another possibility is, you know, sometimes they may say that, you know, the cars really um, belong to a friend or relatives. Now, in that kind of cases, then it, 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 it is difficult for us to take action. Mm. But, you know, we must also bear in mind that once these people, they are bringing in luxuries, uh, luxurious cars, um, you know, regularly, then when they report, uh, they are re uh, required to report biannually on their assets and, 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 and income limits, then um, they are more likely to have their you know, um, disclosure information reviewed and investigated by the housing authority. Okay, and and uh, Dr. Lee, I mean, in terms of this this issue, maybe maybe should the uh, the employers be paying for parking? Then I mean, but I guess that was part of the whole point of the link REIT privatization uh, was because people couldn't really justify having the in part the parking lots uh, being subsidized by government. Uh. Well, uh, actually, I want to add one point about the legal title stuff. So if the legal title stuff cannot be checked because of a privacy, mm. so uh, it just reveals that the legal title part, even the legal title part of the loophole cannot be filled. So if that's the case, the equitable title part is another even much more bigger pie, <laughs> bigger part of the pie. 
And then uh, so that means that uh, this part will be even much more difficult to 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 get hold of it. So that's why that the waiting waiting line, the waiting time for the public housing is so long. And then uh, for the legal title stuff about the privacy, because usually uh, that we can have got an agreement on like what sort of the information can be disclosed. So uh, when they are in public housing, I think for the for the best use of the resources, then we have to take uh, this into consideration about like whether or not that they actually need to sign a document about it, uh, that that mm. they have to take this kind of a, uh, this kind of the. Um, uh, a possible scenario that we have to check that anyway. We have got the right to check that anyway. That's that's so, one uh, that's one to look sure. at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we're we're gonna we're gonna you know hold that thought. We're gonna continue with it after a sh- very short break for the news. Only one minute today, so back chatters don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be right back after the news. We're first, we're gonna give you the weather. Mainly cloudy with one or two rain patches, but there will be bright periods during the day. Max temperature about twenty five degrees on this fine April the twenty eighth, and. Now we're ready for the news. Tomorrow, the government's Happy Hong Kong campaign kicks off with $30 movie screenings available all day. Long queues form outside cinemas yesterday on the first day of sales for the cheap tickets. A film academic from Baptist University, Kenny Ng, says the queues were encouraging, but the real key to getting people back into cinemas is to make good movies. The United States has imposed sanctions on Russia's domestic security service, the FSB. It said the agency, the successor to the Soviet KGB, was guilty of hostage-taking. Similar sanctions were imposed on the Iranian Revolutionary Guards. And Washington says it will establish processing centers in Guatemala and Colombia for refugees seeking entry to the United States. The move is part of a change in migration policy that will also include creating more legal pathways for migrants and extending the family reunification program. I'll have more news at 10. Want to be a perfect employer? You have to pay wages and make MPF contributions on time. Remember to make MPF contributions and submit remittance statements on or before the 10th day of each month. If there are public holidays on or before the 10th of the month, you should arrange your MPF contributions earlier. A 5% surcharge will be imposed for late contributions. Use electronic services to make timely and accurate contributions. There are always adversities in life. If you're emotionally distressed because of family conflict, debt, marital or interpersonal problems, and you don't know how to deal with the situation, please call Caritas Family Crisis Support Center's 24-hour crisis hotline 18288 to talk about it. A bend in the road is not the end of the road. If you're willing to seek help, you will find a way. And we're back on Back Chat. I'm Andrew Work here with Janice Wong. And we've got a couple of guests who are continuing with us from the first part of the show, including Clarissa Wong, chair of the Subsidized Housing Committee of the Housing Authority, and Dr. Rita Lee, director of Sustainable Real Estate Research Center and associate professor at the Department of Economics and Finance at Hong Kong Shuiyan University. We're also going to welcome to the show now Professor Yip Nai Ming, the program director of MA in Housing and Urban Management with the Department of Public and International Affairs at the fine City University of Hong Kong. Good morning, Professor Yip. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So, Professor Yip. Good morning, Yip. Professor Yip. Nice to see you here. Oh, yes. <laughs> 
Great, good. We've got some old friends uh, getting together on the show. This is great. So, so I guess you guys have really been into it. Um, we were just getting into it at the change, just when we came into the uh, the half hour news. I think it was uh, Dr. Rita Lee was talking about uh, getting better checks in the system uh, with the Hong Kong government. Uh, Dr. Lee, I'm going to let you run on that thought. Dr. Lee, we still have you. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. Yes. Hello, hello. Yeah, yeah. I had to cut you off for the news, but I'm, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you run with that thought that you had going just before we went. Yeah. Uh, actually, the main problem that we have seen thus far is that they uh, those like uh, public housing tenants that they may use uh, use the loophole to uh, like uh, buy housing because like the main reason is that even legal title may not be actually possibly checked because of the privacy issue. So that actually leads to a <laughs> lead to a problem for which that they that's why that a lot of the public housing tenants that we know in Hong Kong actually it is a known fact to everybody almost that uh, they have got a <laughs> they they may be they may be very rich especially those that uh, uh, those live in for example uh, Wafu Estate as what uh, what what Facebook has mentioned and also some other public housing tenants that we know as well. And then, uh, so that uh, this, is, this is what we have we have known in the uh, in the in the city. And then, uh, so I think, from my perspective, the first gate to do that is actually to check the legal title, because the legal title is the most e- is the easiest part to do that. But uh, if you take into account about the privacy issue, then we have to do one more step. That is, we may have to like uh, let them to sign that sign the document. So if you want to like live in the public housing, then we have to check that. So we have to uh, uh, check your uh, legal title. I think it is like, fair enough because we don't want to have got very uh, uh, wealthy ones to live in the public housing. In the U.S., for example, they stated that very clearly that in their website, uh, the renters are considered extremely low-income families in the Department of Housing and also Urban de- uh, de- uh, Development. They have stated that. So they are, they are not intend to uh, let those who are like maybe some days some years later they become very rich and then stay in the public housing. Yeah, I mean, but it sounds like and, and you know Carissa told us earlier on that uh, the way they do it is they people sign off on uh, information release, but it, it gives them a lot of time to you know kind of make sure they've got everything it lined up. Not, it does not really take a lot of time actually because uh, uh, like for example uh, by the time that they. Uh, they they have got the public housing that uh, they, they they have to sign some document as well. So this clause has been put there. This means that all the new tenants they have to sign that. Mm. And for the old tenants, actually, it is also not really difficult because uh, uh, because they uh, each of the estates they have got the estates office. So the estates office can either issue a letter or issue email or whatsoever. Yep. So, so that's the all things that it should be. It should not be a very huge job, but then it is something for which that it should do. As otherwise, then the loophole can be very large, and then the housing tenants queue can be very long. Right. Okay, um, Professor Yip, what's what's your take on this? Do you do you think we've got a huge problem with people abusing the system, or is it you know there's going to no matter where you go, there's going to be some abuse, and we just have to try and do our best to keep a lid on it? Well, I mean. I think there's no evidence that there is a large scale abuse because it's so difficult that on the one hand you're you're eligible for public housing, but on the other hand, you still have a lot of other resources to buy your own house in the in the in the private sector. 
So perhaps that may be a little bit of, of exaggeration that there is there is some kind of at large scale so-called abuse. I, I don't believe this is a, a big problem, but of course, it's, tightening up the the, the 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 process may may still be reasonable. Hmm. I'm getting a lot of uh, emails and Facebook comments today. A lot of them seem to be about the car parks. I've got another one from John. Uh, your guest is creating excuses for million-dollar vehicles being parked in public housing car parks because they're drivers. Uh, public housing car parks provide low-cost parking for the owners, not cheap parking for rich companies. That is still abuse. And another one, Rick, says, why are they even built with car parks? Seems like the car parks are upsetting people more than the flats, <laughs> at least on our our listener base. Um it does beg the question, uh, Professor, why, why are we putting car parks in? I mean, a lot of people have the perception that only rich people and companies own cars in Hong Kong. Do, do you know why they include them in the first place? Andrew, are you... I'll take anyone who's got one. Okay, free, okay. Yeah. okay. Um, I think there is a guideline for, um, you know, uh, for, for this kind of guideline, yes. We have to provide a certain number of car parks um, uh, 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 per uh, uh, number of households, and this is in the in in, in guideline for for construction. Mm. Okay, so they're, they're saying if you have this many flats, there has to be this many car parks. Doesn't yes. matter if it's and upscale for, public housing. Doesn't matter. Yes, and actually for public housing, although I cannot remember the figure. But um, for public housing assets, we are only providing the minimum number of uh, car parking spaces, like uh, 100 plus units, then we provide a few car parking spaces, something like that. Mm, okay, so that they're just kind of getting caught in a broader regulation. Yeah, and also, yeah, and also we, we must not um, forget that a lot of uh, tenants in public housing estates, actually they are working in the logistics industry, like they drive their minivan to, you know, deliver goods, right? Mm-hmm. And so they, they need a car park, you know, to park their working vehicle. Mm. Okay. Um, so with the new rules that are coming in, uh, Professor, you put, I mean, are you confident that these new rules that are coming in are going to, are actually going to, uh, entice tighten up the system, reduce abuse, maybe even reduce uh, waiting times for people trying to get into public housing? Or is it a little bit like squeezing a balloon? If you, if you squeeze it in one part, another, you know, just a different section bulges outward. I mean, is this going to have the impact of reducing waiting times and improving access to public housing for people who need it? Well, I, I would say that this, this too may not be related because, uh, as I've just mentioned, there may not be a large-scale abuse. So even you tightening up the rules, it may not in fact, reduce the waiting time. But of course, if you witness some kind of loophole, there is the responsibility of the authority, so-called, to correct that. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, um, Ms. Wong, I mean, we just heard from uh, Dr. Lee earlier and also Professor Yip. Both of them don't seem to think uh, these changes will uh, have any major impact on, on shortening the waiting time for public housing. What's your, your view on that? Do you think, I mean, what sort of impact do you think it will have on the waiting time? Well, I think the impact would be minimal because um, my belief is, uh, just like uh, what Professor Yip has said, uh, I don't believe that there is a large-scale um, abuse of, uh, you know, a lot, many, many people in the public housing as they only private residential properties in Hong Kong and still living there. I don't believe this is the case. I think, yes, there are some abuses. 
but they are not large-scale abuses. So for um, the general PRH tenants, um, they, they, if they can afford to buy their home, then, of course, our wish is they will consider applying for HOS flats and freed up their units for allocation to the more needy people. Right. And, and I just want to go back to uh, one of the uh, comments made by our listener, John. I mean, he, he says uh, your guest is again creating lots of excuses for million dollar vehicles being parked in uh, public housing car parks because they are drivers. And then he, he goes on to say public housing car parks provide low cost parking for the owners, not cheap parking for rich companies. And then he says uh, that is still abuse. Is that still abuse, Ms. Wong? I, I just want you to, to respond to the comment, please. Well, um, well, I can't, I can't really think of, um, you know, um, any rules saying that you can't, um, you know, when you borrow a car or when you are driving somebody's car and you can't park the car in the car parking space. Um, for our public housing, actually car parks, we also have uh, sometimes got some public spaces for parking by the public. So, you know, um, for the time being, I cannot say these are abuses. But of course, if there are comments and thoughts um, that we should not let people like, uh, you know, park their employers' cars in their car park, in the car parks, mm. then, uh, well, we are, we'll, we'll bear in mind this suggestion and then consider whether we should tighten this um, a little bit. Mm. I've got a bit of a long one here from Housing Estate Brett, who's a, uh, <clears throat> I would say, semi-regular contributor to the show. Uh, he says, in typical Hong Kong fashion, everyone has their knickers in a twist over an abuse of one of the myriad of subsidized housing programs, but only after a particular case becomes public knowledge. This has been going on for decades, if not since day one, judging from how I've known people who've been doing this for yonks. And like yesterday's minimum wage discussion, we attempt to treat the symptom rather than the cure as the, the, cure as the disease as the root issue is ignored. Uh, Brett goes on to say, funnily enough, the ultimate root issue is shared by both today's and yesterday's topic of discussion, the diversion of land revenue to capital works. The cost of land adds to what everyone in Hong Kong has to pay as we consume goods and services. It is the monkey on our collective backs. Our pay doesn't keep up. From everything from transport to housing, subsidy programs attempt to compensate. And in the case of housing, some take advantage of the system, which appears to study, suffer from a lack of adequate oversight. Hence, public rental housing tenants running around in flash motors or simultaneously owning other residential properties. Nothing is ever going to improve until Bremridge's fudge to the budget in 1982 is reversed. So uh, Housing Estate Brett has slipped us a little bit of a historical zinger um, at the end. I mean, do any of you have an opinion on, on whether this idea that, you know, this is the constant complaint about Hong Kong is that we artificially inflate real estate prices and then try to compensate it with public housing, of which we have, you know, which, which houses a lot of the population. Um, do you do any of you do any research or thinking about how we could maybe get a more balanced system so we'd have fewer people in public housing and more people in private housing solutions? Who wants to take a crack at that? Professor Lee? Dr. Lee? Yeah. Um, actually, for the um, uh, uh, public housing units, uh, where we want to have got more people who are housed in the public housing, uh, that they are, uh, they, 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 they are not, uh, they, they actually need that. So uh, we actually have to think some ways and think some means to uh, 
uh, to at least like we have to uh, uh, to check for the qualifications and so as like for example in the uh, in the modern days there are some university students part time they are still like studying university they are already in the queue and then these people they actually they do not need to have that uh, they do not need to have got a separate uh, they do not need to have the housing uh, public housing and then these people that uh, we 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 shouldn't actually we 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 have to think about like uh, the loophole like these and then we also have to think about some other uh, some other cases and scenarios for example uh, there may be scenario like uh, the relative who is uh, living in the uh, for example the grandma who is living in the public housing and then uh, before she pass away and then she may add her grandkid there and then uh, add her name and add his his name there and then uh, to 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 succeed uh, to succeed the, the the public housing and then uh, that kind of things that we have to like uh, think about like what 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 um, what are the most uh, what are the people that they need the housing so uh, uh, we have to check about our 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 major mission for the public housing so if the mission is that where we have to provide those like renters who are considered as extremely low income families as what it is in the United States for example and then that that means that if they are not really that kind of people then we have to do some action take some action to expel them and then, uh, like in Singapore, for example, all the flat buyers who are renting from a flat from HDB, they must terminate the tenancy and surround the, the flat, rental flat with a uh, vacant protection within four months. Uh, if they have got a, a key collection of the new flats or like the completion of the resale flat purchase. So this is what we have to do. And then uh, take into other consideration, for example, if we, uh, uh, if we take into other consideration, in, like in the UK, so, well, you become rich, right? You want to stay in your housing, right? So you are given the right to buy. Mm. But of course, that, uh, uh, this one, that they, they, the right to buy scheme that they, uh, in the UK is that to buy their housing home with discount like 33 to 40% of the market value. So this is what they do. But then, of course, this is, it also has got a downside because uh, the main downside of the, uh, of the uh, UK system is that the social housing system, they have to wait for very long. Some of them, they have to wait for a very long queue, up to like 18 years. 18 and then years. Uh, so the councils, the council housing, uh, and then uh, some people also accuse that, well, they only replace one out of the three uh, that is under the right to buy. So there is also an, uh, another downside. However... Uh, we we have to consider the way how like for example the, um, uh, the 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 Singapore that they do about like you have to vacate so long as you have got a uh, private housing you must leave so that is what they do or you have got like four months and then you have to leave or like in the case of the UK that they, they have got a choice where well, you consider your house as a lucky house right feng shui house right so you can still buy it you can you you have to buy it so if you buy it. Well, it is your, you have already become a homeowner. Yeah. And then uh, it doesn't matter how, how rich you are later on in the later stage. Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, Professor Yip, should we be moving to a model where more people are able to buy, just outright buy their places, and then we can stop having this discussion? Yeah, I, think that, I think that that's a myth because we are just confusing about the solution and the problem. So public housing now is a solution to the high, high land price. Because if you trace history of housing policy in Hong Kong, in 1993, our first long housing strategy stated Hong Kong housing should be privately led. But over Whoops. the years, in fact, we increased the contribution of public housing from 40%, uh, from 60% to 70%. And I think we, sh- we, are, we are on the, on the trend of further increasing that because the private housing is not capable of solving the housing problem of Hong Kong. So the government had to intervene. 
Mm. So Hong Kong is not a welfare state. Hong Kong is not a socialist state. So if you ask the majority of Hong Kong people, I would say that the overwhelming majority will say they want to buy. They, they don't want to live in public housing, but they, but, but they couldn't. Hmm. Well, that's uh, we're going to leave it right there with uh, Professor Yip um, Nai Ming, a program director of MA. Oh, oh, one you want to get one final word in? Yeah, Clarissa? yeah, because um, I think um, Dr. Lee may um, some of the information Dr. Lee has may not be up to date. Um, she gave uh, an example of university graduates registering for. Uh, public housing right away. Mm. Yes, that you know they they can do so, but we have a one person applicant's point system registration uh, system, and under that system, um, if you're young, you you, you score very low, mm. and meaning that your application would have to you know be uh, to wait for a long 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 time. Right. right? Yeah. And the other point is about, um, you know, a grandma living in a public housing estate and, uh, you know, registering her grandkid as a, um, you know, household member. Mm. Now, we must remember that nowadays, public housing, um, people do not succeed through public housing just because they are part of the household members. They are still, you know, what, you know, when the, when the, the, the tenant passed away, let's say, for instance, mm. whether the household members would be eligible for public housing, they're still subject to, you know, the various... Yeah, but then this is the real case that I know, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to, uh, unfortunately, we've, we've run out of time here, but I mean, we're just just getting into some more details. I think we're going to have to come back to this. As we noticed, uh, this has its roots in 1982 budget policy, 1993 housing reviews that we have. It. Maybe we're due for a new one and we can talk about that. And we'll have Clarissa Wong, chair of the subsidized housing committee, of the housing authority on the line with Dr. Rita Lee, director of sustainable real estate research center, associate professor, department of economics and finance, Hong Kong Shoyang University and Professor Yip Nai Ming, Program Director of MA in Housing and Urban Management at City University of Hong Kong. Maybe we can get them all back to thrash it out a little further. I think we need a little more time for them today. But in the meantime, we're moving on to our next segment. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hello, I'm Michael Wong, the Deputy Financial Secretary. For the past 95 years, our GHK has shared a common journey with Hong Kong people. Going forward, I trust that our GHK will continue to provide Hong Kong with more programs that are rich in content and that can move our hearts. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. All right, we're back on back chat, and we're uh, we're talking about culture and uh, some specific programs that have uh, that are part of the part of the Happy Hong Kong. And we're joined today to discuss this with Don Batten, who is the president of the International Association of Art Critics Hong Kong. Hello, John Batten. Hi, Andrew. Morning. Hey. Great to have you on the show. Um, uh, you know, the, what kind of prompted this was the the Happy Hong Kong uh, thirty dollars cinema tickets, which. I mean, the announcement was made, and then it was very rapidly. People were like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. They're like, yeah, they're on sale tomorrow. Don't miss out. <laughs> and it seemed rather abrupt in a way. I knew some people uh, missed, missed out on it completely. Some other people were, like, jumping on the websites at 11 a.m. sharp. What, what was your take on this whole thing? 
Uh, well, it's, it's sort of it's a, a little bit of a follow-on from your previous discussion on subsidised housing. Uh, the ticket private ticket prices in the in the private cinemas can be, you know, up to ninety dollars, ninety-five dollars, one hundred and ten dollars. Oh, and two so hundred and fifty if you're going to see an IMAX or one of these four D ones. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so actually, the um, the the initiative to to have a subsidised ticket is is obvious for for people who who don't receive other concessions. Like I'm over sixty, I can get a half price ticket in many of the um, government venues when they show films. But I, I I think maybe this is for people who don't regularly go to to the, to the cinema. And for those who regularly go to the cinema, there are uh, loyalty programs. For example, I tend to only go to Broadway Cinematheque in Yamada Day cool. because I have a, um, a, a loyalty card and I can get um, points. And then when I've got points, I can get a half-price ticket. Mm. Um, but if you're paying ninety-five dollars, like you and you and your friend are going, you know, it's a it's a it's quite a, a steep night out. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, family of four, you you know, when you said $95, I mean, that's 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 like going to the morning shows. I mean, it's like, you know, 130 bucks. you take a family of four. Uh, it gets pretty wild. But, I mean, should the government be doing this? Should the government be sub- – I, I, I assume how this is working is that the government is subsidizing it. So the, the, the I assume the theaters are still paying – are getting paid full fare, but the government's making up the difference. I mean, what's your, what's your take on that as a use of a government money to promote arts and culture? Well, this is the this is the point, Andrew. Um, that do we want our government to be subsidising everything? Uh, we have subsidies for for people over sixty in in, in uh, transport and um, and in culture. Well, there are there are there are subsidies. You know, the arts festival has a subsidy for young uh, young adults to to get a cheaper ticket. So you know, it, it sort of gets a bit spirally now. Uh, why can't the tickets be just cheaper? And of course, it's all related to, to land prices and, mm. and, and property rentals and, and monopolies of, of developers. Um, to get those tickets down for a for a cinema operator is is is, a, is probably a bit of a stretch. You know, ninety dollars sounds a lot, but maybe for them that's what they need to to break even and, and make a um, a little bit of a margin, a little bit of a profit margin. Um, how, how popular do you it, think it, this program was? Because, I mean, we, we can't see the people that were lining up online, but apparently there were, you know, for people who were actually physically lining up outside of uh, ticketing centers to get uh, get their, their cheap tickets, even though it was, it was a fairly restricted range of movies and times and showings that were available, correct? Uh well, well, I think a lot of people were lining up because then they avoided having to pay the, the booking fee, which is also another uh, cost for people. Um, mm. The booking fees can be up to $15 for, for booking um, uh, di- different events around Hong Kong in, in the private booking a ticket, whereas Urbtex is a free service. You don't pay a booking charge, and, uh, and it, it's available at, at, at many, many government centres, uh, the, the sports centres, recreation centres that you can, you can do a booking uh, for, government subs, uh, for government venues like the, the City Hall or the Cultural Centre. Right. So I think it is, it is popular because um, lining up, $30 is a cheap ticket for someone who, who is uh, under 60 and, and, and over 16. Uh, yeah. Right. You know, so, Mr. Basson, yeah, I was reading a, a subsidy. 
I was reading about this and, and it says uh, the, the Hong Kong Theatres Association, which is uh, actually organising this uh, $30 cinema day, um, it says it hopes to encourage the public to return to the theatres as daily entertainment. Do you think it'll work? I think it may... For those people who don't go to the cinema, they, they possibly don't realise the enjoyment you can have by doing a group 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 activity. And so, yes, it may encourage, but as a one-off, it's probably not often enough to, to, to get people to regularly return to the cinema. Mm. I think for people who love going to cinemas, they will continue doing it. And as I say, they will probably have a loyalty card with a cinema chain, which allows them to get cheaper tickets uh, during the year. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's a good strategy, but um, as a one-off, it's probably not enough. Mm. Yeah. Do you think they should restrict it to like going to see like only Hong Kong movies or something like that? I mean, I, I mean, subsidizing people to go see John Wick or Super Mario Brothers. I'm like, really? I mean, you know, but if it was like, well, it's Hong Kong cinema. We're trying to promote local industry, that kind of thing. I mean, do you think there's more justification for playing favorites in that way? If, if, if their objective is to promote culture of some sort? Well, I, I've just written a, a little opinion piece about... Um, M plus uh, reintroducing uh, charges for entry entrance charges, mm. and for one year they had they had free free entry for everyone. Yep. But now that the borders open and we're getting Chinese tourists, um, the they, they, they say they need to to raise income. But I think not having um, a free entry for Hong Kong residents is, is, is not good. I think we should be encouraging our residents to, to go. And you could do that in, in different ways. You can have a cheaper ticket. Like I was in Taipei last week, and the museum there had cheaper tickets for, for tai, Taiwan citizens. Or you could have a, a dedicated day once, once, uh, once a month for Hong Kong people to go to, to M+. Because in, for the government museums, they are heavily subsidised. It's only $10 to get in. To get into M plus, it's 150. Mm. Now that's that is not going to encourage a young person to go to no. to, to to M plus. And it's the same with with the movies. Maybe they could have a, as you say, a, a Hong Kong movie could have a, a subsidy to, to encourage people to see the Hong Kong. Hong Kong movies. Yes. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay, that's what we do. We're just sitting here coming around, coming up with good ideas on back chat. And so thank you very much to John Batten. He's the president of the International Association of Art Critics Hong Kong and an arts and culture commentator. John, where can people find out more if they want to follow your, your commentating? Oh, oh. I have a website. So it's um, AIC, uh, AICA.org. And uh, they can look at some uh, art reviews and commentary about, about the arts in Hong Kong and, and, and mm. overseas. That's great. Well, thank you very much. Once again, John Batten, president of the International Association of Art Critics Hong Kong. And this has been Backchat to take your week out. Uh, keep an eye out uh, for the weather out there. It's going to be mainly cloudy with some sunny intervals. But today it's been Andrew Work and Janice Wong for Backchat. Backchat.